the reading of our gospel lesson this morning, which comes to us through the gospel according to John, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through verses 19 through 31. Hear this word of the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At the end of the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, John tells us the exact reason why he writes his Gospel. You see, I love the gospel writers because each of them in their own way tell you why they're writing. Now, Luke is my favorite. He tells us the reason that he's writing his gospel is that all the other gospels are a bit messy, and he's going to write an orderly account, right? I'm a, I'm a neat person, so I love Luke, right? John tells us, however, here at the end of his gospel that he is writing because there are many other things he could write about, but he, he, he's not writing about those things. These things he has written about because he wants you to believe Jesus is the Messiah and that you might have life in his name. That's his only reason for writing, that you would believe Jesus is the Son of God and therefore have life. 
It's as if John has personal experience with the reality that some will doubt this story. That some will doubt who Jesus said he is. Some will doubt what others said happened to him. Or doubt that it really matters at all to our life. John seems to expect us to doubt. Which is why I think he chooses to tell the story of his fellow disciple, Thomas. Who in his own day had the nickname Twin, but who has unfortunately become known in history as Doubting Thomas. But I don't want to talk just about Thomas. I want to talk this morning about three famous doubters, what we can learn from their experience, and perhaps some perspective when we inevitably face our own doubts. So briefly, let's look at Thomas. Now, on the night of the resurrection, all the disciples are gathered in a locked room out of fear. They are afraid of the religious leaders of their day. They are afraid of what might happen to them. Now, mind you, all of them have heard the news, Jesus is alive, and yet they are still afraid. And so they've locked them themselves up. Jesus, as Jesus will come to do several times, he appears and shows his hands and his side. He tells the disciples, peace. And then he breathes on them and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now this is just another aside, not really the point of this sermon, but I love this point. John's gospel begins before time with God creating everything. And here toward the end, God has come so close he can breathe on you. That's just beautiful, right? So that's just a little free information. <laughs> he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit, and empowers the disciples to forgive sins in his name. But Thomas isn't there. Where else? We have no idea. How could you miss this? It's like missing the second Sunday after Easter. How could you miss? Jesus is alive. Where is Thomas? But Thomas isn't there. They tell him. They tell him that week, Thomas, you missed it. Jesus came. He appeared. He was with us. It was amazing. And Thomas says, yeah, right. I don't know what y'all are doing in that room, but it is not true. It can't be. And unless Jesus shows himself to me in the flesh, unless I can touch his wounds, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples are again gathered. But this time, Thomas is with them. Jesus shows up again and says, Peace be with you. And then he turns directly to Thomas and says, Here I am. Place your hands in my hands. Reach out and touch my side. And without any narrative that lets us know whether or not Thomas actually reached out, all we get is Thomas's declaration, my Lord and my God. Thomas believes. But 
But then Jesus adds a special blessing. And, and it's a blessing, mind you, for you and for me. Jesus says, Thomas, you believe because you see me. Blessed are those who, even though they will not see me, still believe. It's a beautiful moment. You see, even though Thomas doubts, did you notice what Thomas does? He still comes and shows up with the other disciples. If Thomas didn't believe, we could have understood that Thomas would have run away and we never hear from Thomas again. But even though Thomas doubts, he remains with his brothers and his sisters in the community of the disciples. His doubt brings him to the community. And the community embraces him even in his doubt. You could imagine that Peter and James and John and all the other disciples, when they told Thomas that Jesus appeared to them and Thomas said, I don't believe you guys, you could imagine them saying, well, fine, don't come to the party anymore. We're changing the locks on the doors. You're no longer in the club. But no. They still have Thomas as part of their community. A week later, Thomas is there. His doubts have brought him to the community, and the community has welcomed him even in his doubt. And it's at that moment that Jesus shows up and Thomas believes. Now I want to talk about the second famous doubter, a particular favorite doubter of mine by the name of John Wesley. Now, John Wesley, you may know, is the father of our particular branch of Christianity, our flavor, if you will, that we call Methodism. And at the age of 32, John Wesley was on top of the world. He had two degrees from the prestigious Oxford University. You know, the one in England, not the one here. He was a priest in the Church of England. He was an up-and-coming faculty member at Oxford at Christ College, London College. He taught Greek and New Testament. He was respected for his piety, his holiness of heart and life, and he was a sought-after mentor to the younger members of the college. His growing fame led John Wesley to accept a personal invitation from Governor James Oglethorpe to become the chaplain to the new Georgia colony. He was to be the first parish priest in Savannah. He was going to take the gospel to the new world. He was on top. But as soon as the trip started, so did the troubles. The ship on the way over was nearly lost in a storm, and he lost his mind. He was so afraid for his life there were another group of people on the boat that day, some Germans, some uh, folks known as the Moravians. The storm came up. They were just singing and having a good time and, and reading the Bible and praying and singing. And the storm was rocking. John is afraid of death. And the Moravians are singing like it's a party. And he begins to wonder, do I have that kind of faith? Then when he gets there, he begins his mission, remember, to bring the gospel to the new world. And no one really wants to hear the colonists have, quite frankly, escaped England for a new life, and they didn't really want to go to church. 
The natives of the land had already had a bad experience with the French, and they didn't care for Christians of any language. And so no one was really responding much to his gospel, and so he didn't really have that much faith in himself. He was afraid for death. Now his own church wasn't really booming like he thought it would, but he fell in love. He met a woman. He wanted to get married to her. And then she married someone else. Things are not going well for Brother John. And of course, then he did something that a pastor shouldn't do, as he let his own personal feelings get in the way of his profession. And his uh, ex-girlfriend and her new husband showed up to church one day, and he refused to serve them communion. Now, the problem was this new husband was a wealthy, influential, important man in the colony, and he charged John Wesley with failure to carry out his pastoral duties, and John was about to be arrested until he did the very noble thing. He snuck onto a ship and escaped back to England. Well, he was walking around on May 24th, 1738, a failure. A failure at his profession, a failure in love, a failure in faith. He doubted that God really could forgive him, doubted that God really loved him. Perhaps even began to doubt whether or not it was worth even believing in that God at all. An acquaintance that he had heard of named Peter Bowler encouraged him to go to a small group meeting. Now, he didn't want to go. Now, I know you can't imagine this because you showed up the second Sunday after Easter, but he didn't want to go to church. But it was almost like he was giving God one last chance. He wrote in his journal that that night he went reluctantly to the small group meeting on Aldersgate Street. And there, during the Bible study, the leader is reading from the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. And as the leader is reading this commentary that describes God's forgiveness, Wesley says he feels his heart strangely warmed. He believed, perhaps for the very first time down deep, that God could forgive his sins. He had preached about other people and how they could be forgiven their sins, but maybe for the first time he realized that he too was included in God's love and in God's forgiveness. Now, it has to be a miracle because, brothers and sisters, I've read the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. It's not that exciting. <laughs> this is not about just being moved by wonderful, inspiring words. This was Jesus showing up in Wesley's life when he least expected it, wanted it, or even thought it would happen. He felt his heart warmed, and in his doubts that he brought there that night, the risen Christ came to him. And it changed his life forever. So what do we notice about Thomas and John? Both doubted but both kept showing up. They didn't hide their doubts. 
but they took their doubts with them to the community, to the church, and said, this is where I am, this is what I'm struggling with, this is the reality of what I think about this. And then the church didn't drive them away, but rather embraced them. With the disciples, it said to Thomas almost, well, you know, I understand you didn't see him, but keep coming. He'll show up again, I'm sure. And to John's friends at that little community in London, there was the thought that, well, come tonight and you'll never know what might happen. It wasn't make sure you believe everything we believe before you come through the door, but come and see what happens. There they waited with the church until the Holy Spirit moved among them. And they experienced Christ. Now finally, there's a third famous doubter that I want to talk to you about. Actually, it's me. And maybe it's you as well. It's any of us who live in the modern day world who for so many good reasons would, might be tempted to doubt that any of this happened or that any of it matters. Some of us maybe in our life have doubted whether God exists. Maybe you've doubted whether any of this stuff in the Bible actually happened. Maybe you've doubted whether Jesus actually came back from the dead at all. Or maybe you're fine with all that, but your doubts are more personal. You believe all that happened then, but do you doubt that God still loves you now? Maybe because of what we've done, things we've said, mistakes we've made. We believe in God and we believe that God loves other people, but we have a hard time believing that God loves me. God forgives me. God forgives you. So if you find yourself in any of those categories, Thomas, John, or us, I hope these three things can be true. I hope that you will trust God with your doubts because God has heard it all before. Second, I hope that you will trust the church with your doubts. That getting everything right before coming to church is counterproductive. In church, I hope that we too trust other people to come and bring their real, genuine, authentic selves here, doubts and all. And then finally, perhaps trust that the risen Christ will come to you and give you peace when you least expect it. Maybe it's when you're gathered on a Sunday morning Maybe it's when you're serving with somebody in Honduras. Maybe it's simply volunteering to rock a child in the nursery. And in some way, in some unexpected moment, 
you realize Jesus has been with you the whole time. And even if you can't see him, trust the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who, even though they have not seen, have come to believe. So this morning, if you have doubt, you're in good company. You're with folks like Thomas and John and countless others whose doubts drove them to this place, this community where they experienced the risen Jesus. Oh, but one word of warning. Jesus, when he does show up, has a tendency to call us to do wonderful and amazing things. So be warned, because your doubt may give way to a way of life that you can't even imagine yet. Amen.